Hello and welcome to Vintage Rock Pod Side 2, the weekly classic rock magazine-style podcast that comes out every Friday. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks, as always, for hitting play. Now, on this episode of Side 2, you're going to hear from a load of incredible musicians. Every interview I do, I ask the guest to pick their favourite song from their own back catalogue to put into a special playlist that I'm putting together. It's a unique playlist, as you can appreciate, as all the tracks have been handpicked specially for me, for Vintage Rock Pod, by the artists involved themselves. It's not my thoughts or anybody else's, it's the guys who wrote, recorded and sang the tracks themselves. So you'll get to find out what the likes of, I don't know, JoLynn Turner's favourite Rainbow song is, or what Jeff Downs' favourite Asia track is, Pete Agnew from Nazareth, Jim Petrick from Survivor, all those sorts of things. More incredible artists and bands I've spoken to over the last few months are going to be telling you their favourite songs of their own. Now the most recent of these being Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ducty Doug Cosmo Clifford from Credence Clearwater Revival. Now, my big interview with him came out last Monday and it's well worth checking out. If you haven't done so yet, here's a tiny couple of snippets as an example of what you're going to hear. There was a window open on the top floor and two beautiful ladies were looking out, waving at each helicopter that came in. And it was Joan Bias and Judy Collins. <laughs> I said, I think this is going to be a good one. Someday we want to have our records played on the radio. That was that was what what we were sh- shooting for. Well, they've been playing them for fifty three years. <laughs> Joe Satriani is obviously a legend as well when it comes to, to playing the guitar. I mean, what do you remember about the recording sessions you, working with with Joe? I remember a lot. Uh, you know, Joe was uh, this was before uh, he started surfing with aliens. Uh, so uh, what I remember about it was that. He, he was playing a lot of notes in, in places where less is best. <laughs> My future, uh, I've retired from playing on the road. I've got Parkinson's disease, and so it's, it's, uh, it's starting to come along. And, you know, physically I'm beat up. It's a brilliant interview with stories of Woodstock, as you heard there working with Joe Satriani and so much more. Sadly, he's suffering from the effects of Parkinson's disease, but it certainly hasn't dampened his appetite for music or his sense of humour. Now, also on this episode today, we'll get the latest news from our friend, music journalist Tim Peacock, and it's the return of the Vintage Rock Pod Quiz. I haven't done one of these for a couple of months, so if you've not heard one before, I basically stick to one topic. And in the past, we've had things like Canadian rock, or rock songs from movies, or rock covers, or rock stars named Jones, believe it or not, and there's plenty of others as well. This week's quiz topic is about classic rock albums, and we've got a special guest taking part in that as well. You can hear that a little bit later on. But let's Let's get stuck into it then and talk about the playlist. As I said earlier, it's on Spotify now and it's exclusive in the fact that it's completely unique in the way it's been compiled and you're going to hear the latest songs to be chosen to go onto that list. Now, please go on to Spotify if you're a member or you subscribe, whatever it is with Spotify things, you know. Um, Follow the playlist. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod Artist's Choice. That's Vintage Rock Pod Artist's Choice, and you'll see it there. Hit the follow button, and it'll be updated as we go along. Now, the first few songs were added way back in January, and you can hear those selections on the episode Rock Fans Playlist Special. So first up, let's start with this week's guest, shall we? Doug Cosmo Clifford from Credence Clearwater Revival. Now, they were the biggest selling band of 1969-1970, and they had a string of major hit singles and platinum selling albums. So Cosmo, he's got a heck of a choice to make here. So let's find out which of their bands catalog he's chosen well uh born in the bayou uh, for me that's my favorite Creedence song 
always will be. Uh, it was on the second album, so it wasn't too far away from when we were playing in the clubs, six nights a week, five sets a night. That's how you you did it back in those days. Now you get get a computer out, not even know how to play an instrument and make a record. So it was the, doing it in the old-fashioned way, and and it's the best way ever. And do you remember much about the the, the writing process or the recording process with the Born and Bayou? I don't remember much about it. Uh, it was in L.A. and and and, and we were in uh, Studio A and. I think it was uh, RCA, but uh, it was one of my favorite songs then. And when we recorded it, it was just the same thing, you know, just keep it nasty. And uh, pretty, pretty basic stuff. Yeah, I love that. Keep it nasty indeed. Born on the Bayou is added to our playlist. Now, next up, we'll hear from Jeff Downs. Now, this guy I spoke to in episode 18. It's actually one of the most listened to episodes of the entire series. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Jeff has had an incredible career, which includes The Buggles with Trevor Horn. You know, the video killed the radio star, yet that's them. Uh, he then joined legendary prog rockers Yes, and then he helped to form the supergroup Asia, along with Carl Palmer from Emerson, Lake and Palmer, uh, John Wetton from King Crimson, and Steve Howe of Yes as well. So again, he's got a lot of music to draw upon, but he chose something from his days with the supergroup Asia. Um, I'd like to suggest um, probably... Uh, only time will tell from the first album. Uh, most people would say, "Oh, it's probably heat at the moment," but only time will tell was the second single, and I think that was one of the first songs that we were working on with with Asia. Uh, and of course, it has the the, the development of that uh, keyboard intro, the fanfare intro, which is very. I think that that was was quite a, a, a hallmark of, of Asia's sound, if I may say, by with my own sort of keyboard playing, and then the song develops. I think it's got it's got all the elements. Have got nods to the seventies, you know, some of Steve's guitar parts, um, you know, Carl's uh, drum patterns here, there, and everywhere, uh, and John's bass player, beautiful voice singing, great harmonies, uh, and it's a very very tight arrangement. Uh, so I'd say that one for me sort of encapsulates really what Asia was about. Only Time Will Tell is onto our playlist. Now let's stick on the kind of prog vibes and hear from a Dutch superstar that we spoke to on episode 20. Now this guy is an actual sir over in Holland. He was knighted, yes. I'm talking about the front man of the band Focus, Thijs van Leer. Let's find out which track he's chosen. Yeah, maybe it's uh, Sylvia, the song Sylvia, because I wrote that for a girl called Sylvia in order for her to to sing it, but she didn't want to sing it then. And then later we made an instrumental of it and it became a big hit for it. Mainly in England, it became very big. And so maybe it's nice to to have that song in your catalog. Absolutely. Yeah, nice. And do you still enjoy playing that one live? Oh yeah, it's really, it's really nice, yeah. Sylvia is in. Now let's switch things up a bit. Canadian female vocalist next, known as Metal Queen. That's the name of her early breakthrough hit in the 80s, Lee Aaron. Now I spoke with Lee about her career and her life. It was an incredible tale of battling through the male-dominated rock scene, the politics of why she was never given the chance to crack America. And she talked about likes of filing for bankruptcy and getting herself back on track by switching to releasing jazz albums. It's a fascinating chat. Anyway, let's see what songs she's put forward for our playlist. I'm going to say Raggedy Jane from the Emotional Rain record. That song was written about 
one of my very dear friends. Um, she worked with me for many years. She was my tour manager. She worked with my management company, but her and I were, were best friends for 17 years. It's my dear friend, Petra, um, who ended up with a bit of a troubled life. She, unfortunately, she passed away in 2001, the year my son was born, uh, but we were best friends for 17 years and that, that song is about her. So, yeah. A very personal choice from Liara in there. I love that. Raggedy Jane is in. Right, let's go back to the early 70s now and hear from hard rocker Mick Box from the band Uriah Heep. These guys have been on the go for 50 years, so let's see which track Mick has gone with. Free and easy from Innocent Victim. Just straight ahead, Rafa. Free and easy. And why free and easy? Why is that the song that comes to mind? Because recently I've been talking about it with someone, I think. <laughs> I think somebody said to me, you're going to put this back in the set because we, what we used to do... We used to play the song, but we used to do a, a more metally version, spread it up a bit. And um, we used to invite all the fans on stage, and it used to be mayhem every night, which was great fun, really good fun. Um, <laughs> then some of the guys used to get a bit out of control, you know, and, and grab microphones, and it, just, it used to get, get a bit um, frenzied, <laughs> should I say. And so then we just used to invite the female part of the audience up which was a lot more fun and they had a lot more fun. They were ready to dance and, and do everything. So um, somebody's just asking me about that. So that's fresh in my brain to say to you, free and easy. I could have gone for many, many classics, you know, but. Um... <laughs> free and easy sounds good. Can you, can you remember writing and recording that one? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, with John Lawton, of course, we, we were in the studio and, and um, John had an idea and um, he, he didn't have any riffs and this and the other, but I, and I, we just standing with each other in the studio. I went, where well, we go? Oh, great. And then we're off. We wrote very quickly. Wrote it very, very quick. Uriah Heap going on to the playlist. Now, good friends with Mick Box and Heap are the guys in Nazareth. They've been on the go just as long as them, and the bands tour a lot together in Europe as well. Uh, Nazareth had some huge hits in the UK and in the US. You think of Hair of the Dog, This Flight Tonight, Love Hurts, all those sort of stuff, many more. And I spoke with the founding member, bass player Pete Agnew on episode 16, so let's find out which song he's gone for. I love that it's one of one of the later ones that we did actually it's when the light comes down um, that we did on Boogaloo that's the, that's the number that we played we, we played quite a lot we did it was one of Dan's favourites to sing and he and he really liked singing it and it's one of the ones I never get I never get tired of hearing it getting played it was it was an actual single off that album and it, it, it became it, it was getting played crazily getting played in America it looked like it was going to go and we had two tours planned there. And what happened is we did the tour, we did the first tour, and we did all these radio stations because of when the light comes down. And then we had to take a break for 10 days. We went home and we were going to go out to consolidate all this for the next six weeks tour. And, of course, Daryl died just before the first gig, so we had to cancel the whole thing. And that song just kind of disappeared because, you know, all the circumstances. But it's, it's a great favourite a great favourite of mine. In fact, I liked a, a lot of the stuff on that album. It was a, a, a very solid sounding album. So, When the Light Comes Down is the one that, that I would uh, 
complete to do. Next, it's time to hear from an incredible vocalist, a great frontman who's worked with so many great groups, like famously with Rainbow and Deep Purple and Ingve Malmsteen and Sunstorm and many others. Yes, I'm talking about Joe Lynn Turner. Now, I spoke to him on episode 14, and he told some incredibly deep stories from his childhood and his father and his family and, and things about joining these world-famous groups with Deep Purple and Rainbow and working with the likes of Richie Blackmore and Roger Glover. So let's find out which track he's chosen from his back catalogue to add to the playlist. You know, it's tough because you, you're right. I've got so, so much, so many songs. But yet at the same time, you know, which one sticks out? Obviously, Street of Dreams sticks out. But that's obvious because it has so much meaning to me. I suppose that would be the one, you know, only because it's 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 a golden child. You know, you have many children in songs with your children but sometimes you just get a real diamond and that was a diamond so other than that i could name probably 10 others but uh i think it's at the top of the list that that is uh to me how would you say the sort of the pinnacle of it you know that says it all There you go, Street of Dreams. It's the pinnacle for Joe, as you heard in his own words there. Don't forget to go and check this playlist out on Spotify. Search for Vintage Rock Pod Artist's Choice and follow it on there. Now, let's mix it up and go grungy. Well, early grunge, uh, kind of from the late 80s, although more Pearl Jam than Alice in Chains sort of thing. Greg Gilmore was the drummer in Mother Love Bone, the band that featured Stone and Jeff that would later go on to form Pearl Jam. Now, the only reason those guys left was because the charismatic Mother Love Bone singer Andrew Wood died of an overdose just before their first album was released. Now, the album Apple is such a great record, and I'll be honest with you, it's probably in my top 10 of all time, if I'm honest. That's how much I rate it. So let's hear from Greg which of those tracks he's going to put forward for our playlist. Uh, Heartshine, for me, was always a Mother Love Bone favourite. And what is it about that song that... that that made it your favorite uh, many things for just the the feel of playing it the weird sideways kind of groove and just the way it moves and one little tiny line or image of andy's for some reason has stuck with me forever from that tune and that's i don't even remember the rest of the lyric around it now but where you says uh like a stubborn goat on trial i just always just love that that image it's so andy and image was everything about andy wasn't he? he was so over the top so fun boy and so brilliant what a great front man he was uh yeah a true natural for sure. Heartshine is in. Let's stay with the name Greg for the next one. And it's someone who appeared on the same episode. Yes, it was Double Greg on episode 22. This one is Greg Kinn, a Bay Area boy who had some big hits in the 80s. Now let's see which one of those he's putting in to the playlist. Well, my favorite, and is still one of my all-time favorites, is the breakup song. Maybe it's those magical lyrics. Uh, 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 uh. You know, I always thought that some at some point in the future i would finish that lyric but you know i came into the uh the control room in the studio and the guys are going great nice work on the lyrics great lyrics and i'm what you mean uh, 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 uh yes people can really relate to that so i got probably uh when i think about it Breakup song would be the my title track on that album. Absolutely, and it's it's that sort of song that's been covered by a million people, hasn't it? Everyone take it, has taken it to their hearts. You know, it's I get so many guys. You know, half the half of the uh, people that have been in bands since I've been in this business, which has been 
since the early Paleozoic era, uh, <laughs> people come up to me and they go, you know, my first band always did that song or my, my high school band did that song or, you know, my marching band did that song. Everybody did that song. Apparently, uh, it's even there's even been a movie about it called Beautiful Girls. And it's about the groomsmen who are uh, some of the grooms in the in the wedding um, getting together 10 years later and doing their big song, which was the breakup song. And leg was John Leguizano. The comedian was me. And he he was singing, you know, it was doing in my part. Uh, 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 uh. And it was really pretty <laughs> watching watching this unfold was really kind of interesting to me. And, you know, it's it's amazing how human a lot of your songs become over the years, you know, and I, I'll never forget. It was a throwaway when I first wrote it, but all these years later, we're still talking about, uh, 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 and what does it mean? <laughs> Something. Greg Kent, a true showman. If you've not listened to my interview with him yet, then do yourself a favor and check it out. He's hilarious. I don't think I've ever laughed so much in an interview in my life. He talks about why he's going to go to hell for what he did after hours filming a music video in a church. He's talked about working with Weird Al Yankovic, his brush with aliens, and so much more. Honestly, it's definitely worth checking out. Right now, let's go a little left field with our next choice. This is an English band called Voyager. Now, they had one big hit in the 70s with a song called Heartbreak Hotel. Also charted big in Australia and India too. Now, I spoke with Chris Hook from the band, and here's his favourite song from Voyager. I think I would say one of my favourite songs is, is a song called um, 424 or 442, uh, which was a song, it's basically about sport. Uh, the title meaning is it's got a football reference. But Paul and I wrote that uh, in terms of it being almost like a sort of blues song about sport about the, the pain and, the, and, the, and the, the stresses of of being, you know, in the eye of the storm playing cricket or playing football or whatever. Um, it's quite dramatic. It's kind of proggy. Some people love it. Punks hated it at the time. <laughs> um, but that's that's the one song I would like to, like to play, yeah. I think that's our first sports-related track, isn't it? Now, next up is another man with an incredible story, a hit record at 15. He partied with Led Zeppelin at 19. He cheated death after a plane he was meant to be on crashed. He took the call from Sylvester Stallone and wrote Eye of the Tiger and so much more as well. It's all covered with the wonderful Jim Peterick on episode 27. So let's find out which song of his he's going to add to our playlist. Well, um, it's funny. I just saw a movie with Kim Novak. Uh, she's one of my dream dates, you know, and, and I got to meet her. She's Czech and I'm Czech. And um, we met at, at a consulate party, the Czech consulate here in Chicago. And I got to sit down with her and talk to her. You know, here's this still gorgeous blonde. And I kept pinching myself. And I told her the story of how I wrote I See You and Everyone by Survivor on the Vital Signs record for her and her role in the movie called Vertigo, where uh, Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, was in love with this girl. They broke up. And he kept seeing another girl. Oh, there she is. There's Kim Novak, whatever her name was in the movie. Yeah. And she turns around and it's someone else. And then, oh, there she is. It turns around, it's someone else. And I had this idea, I see you in everyone. And, um, and I wrote it, you know, and it's just one of my favorite songs on, on the Vital Signs record and one of Jimmy's strongest vocals. And I, I told um, 
Kim Novak that story, and she was very, very amused with that. So that's that's the song. I see you and everyone is in. Now let's go with uh, let's go with guitarist and singer Mick Rogers. He's most famous from his time in Manfred Mann's Earth Band, the group that had obviously the worldwide number one hit "Blinded by the Light." Of course. Now let's see which track he puts in for us. I think you nailed it when you said "Spirits in the Night." I think that's uh, a good track. Shows off a bit of guitaring and and uh, an Earth Band arrangement. I think I think that's a nice track to play. Spirits in the Night. Yeah. I'll be honest, that's my favourite Manfred Mann's Earth Band song too. Six plus minutes of brilliance, Spirits in the Night. It was originally a Bruce Springsteen song, but mixed version for me is definitely the best. Now let's hear from another Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, Steve Fossen. Now he was the bass player and founding member of the band Heart, famously with the Wilson sisters in it, of course. Now he talked openly about the band's early days, upsetting Rod Stewart in the faces at an early show, why he was forced out of the band and how awkward it was for the first rehearsal meetings for the Rock Hall induction. We chatted about all that sort of stuff and more on episode 21. Now let's see which Heart song he adds into the mix. I would say um, the, the song that, uh, that uh, Howard and Mike and I especially love to hear and play is Mr. All Wind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's probably, you know, Howard always calls it our masterpiece, which, you know, in some ways it probably is you know so but i love to hear it and i think just the way that the song develops and everything it just uh very very nice lovely can you remember the the recording or the writing process or anything involved in that one? Oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> how hart did it was uh the drums and uh, maybe a couple of guitars would and well everybody would play along but there would only be a few things that would be dedicated as keepers right so i got to uh, i got to take the track home with uh, you know with mike's final version of what he actually because he would play subtly different things in in every take so when it was finally decided that this was the take that we were going to keep and so i got to take it home and uh put it on my four track recorder and i could and i made it my bass part to that and that's what i usually did with the heart recordings but it was i remember I was especially inspired by that song, so. <laughs> and I love the bass I came up with. Just a couple more to add now, and we'll go to episode 15. John Parr, most famous for his number one hit, St Elmo's Fire. He told some raw stories to me in his interview. His career was cut short by a 19-year court case that meant he was unable to release new music. He ended up a 100 grand in debt but finally won and got sorted. But what a time it must have been for him. He also talks about his big break coming at the hands of Meatloaf and and working with him and writing with him and writing for Roger Daltrey and writing songs for so many big movies. And again, other personal things about his kids and how his two boys went on to both become martial arts world champions, which is incredible. It's definitely one of my favourite interviews, that's for sure. So give it a listen. It's episode 15. Now, let's find out which of his songs He's adding to our playlist. You know, thinking back of you know, you know, the trail of songs. I guess, I guess, I would, I would think, under a raging moon, because I think it, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes, kind of sums me up. Um, you know, I'm as violent as Pete, almost on the guitar. You know, smacking hell out of it, screaming like Roger. You know, 
and you know bowing to Keith it's this is under a raging roof an iconic song which is well worthy of going into our list and that leaves us with just one more song and it's a quick preview of the guest appearing on this Monday's episode yes Rick Lee he was the drummer with famous British blues rock band 10 years after who wowed crowds at Woodstock and at the Isle of Wight festival of 1970 now let's see which song he's adding to our playlist love like a man from the Live at Fillmore East. Sounds like a good choice to me. And uh, what reason? Did that you okay? Have, did you have, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Do you have great memories of of that performance itself in particular? Yes, I do. And I'd listened to the. Um, it, for starters, um, Eddie Kramer was the was the recording engineer, the, the man that recorded all of Hendrix's stuff and put together Electric Ladyland Studios in New York for him. Um, and Eddie, actually, Eddie also recorded Woodstock. Uh, bizarrely but in 1969 before we did woodstock we recorded that album live at the Fillmore east and eddie was sitting underneath the stage with the recording gear which he had a lot of it covered up with polythene he could see what he was doing but there was dust dropping down from the stage every time somebody moved so uh, he was working underneath <laughs> under uh, dusty conditions shall we say but he got me the best drum sound i think i've ever had and um the reason being, he only ever, he only used eight microphones for the whole recording. Uh, you know, he didn't have lots of tom mics and stuff like that because the more mics you put oh. around the kit, the, yeah, yeah. the the more problems you get with with bleed from the other instruments. And um, we had no no screens to screen off the drum kit, um, which I don't particularly like anyway. So that's the first reason. The second reason I listened to the album a while back um, this year, and I hadn't realised how much Alvin and I played off each other. And I think, I think, I personally think that that album for, for the live performance is, is, is the, the original band at its absolute nadir. Um, and, um, you know, as I say, this interplay between Alvin and me, was just, um, I, I just hadn't realized how, how much we played off each other, which was, which is, uh, obviously quite a bit of the band's identity at that time and a great final choice there as i said the full interview with rick where he talks about 10 years after the incredible frontman they had alvin lee woodstock the isle of Wight festival and so much more is going to be available to listen to from monday on the vintage rock pod but that's our playlist now up to date and uh, ready for you to get following on spotify search for vintage rock pod artists choice that's Vintage Rock Pod Artist Choice and hit follow and it will fill up as the weeks go by. Right, let's change things up now and get the grey matter working, shall we? And I'm going to bring you the Vintage Rock Pod Quiz. And because we haven't done this for a little while, I thought it's time for us to do a quiz again. I think it's been a couple of months, actually. So this time around, we're going to do all about classic albums. Now, who can I get to take part in a quiz about classic albums? Well, there only is one man. And it's a man that has a podcast all about my classic albums, where he speaks to big guests and they talk about their favourite classic albums. So welcome to Vintage Rock Pod, Mike Norris. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Mike. Now, uh, yeah, quick chat about your podcast then. You've had some incredible guests on your show talking about their favourite albums haven't you yeah so that, i mean it's been going on for nearly five years now it was originally a monthly podcast and then we've been more kind of twice monthly for the past few years and yeah basically the premise is that we we get these guests on and i ask them kind of ahead of time what's your classic album your favorite album of all time and then for a good hour and a half or two hours we really geek out over it dissect it we go track by track <laughs> talk about the history of the album how it's influenced them 
Absolutely, yeah. So, no, I thoroughly love doing it. And it's uh, a privilege to talk to some of the, well, all of the people that I've spoken to over the years. Absolutely. It's a great listen. So definitely check that out if you get a chance to. But as I said, you're here for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to take part in the Vintage Rock Pod Quiz. Now, I've not made it too difficult for you. I mean, these are all absolutely classic albums, and it is about a classic albums quiz, like I said. So are you ready to take on the challenge, Mike? As I'll ever be. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. The quick, uh, I have to take your first answer. You've got three minutes. Minutes. There's 15 questions. If you need to pass, we'll come back to it if we've got time at the end. It's all pretty standard quiz fare. Are you ready to go? Ready to go. Here we go. Question one. What album that sold more than 13 million copies worldwide features two men on the cover shaking hands with one of them on fire? Will that be Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here? Question two. Which classic album contained the singles Dreams Don't Stop and You Make Loving Fun? Oh, one of my favourites, Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Question three. The cover of Appetite for Destruction shows the band members as skulls on a Celtic-style cross. Which band member is at the top of the cross? I should know this because I have this (laughs) (laughs) T-shirt. Pass. Let me have a think about that one and we'll come back to it. Come back to that one. Mm. Question four. Bon Jovi released four singles from their 12-time platinum-selling album Slippery When Wet. Can you name two of those four singles? Uh, Living on a Prayer. And you give love a bad name. Question five. The Logical Song was a big hit for Supertramp in 1979. But what album that sold 20 million copies does that song come from? I believe that was Breakfast in America. Question six. Who is the lead singer on the ACDC album Highway to Hell? That would be Bon Scott. Question seven. The second biggest selling album in the UK in 1987 has a cover which shows the band photographed at Zabriskie Point in the Death Valley National Park. What's the album? Pass on that one, I think. Come back to that one. Come back to that. Black Dog is the opening track on which 1971 album? I'm going to get the number wrong here. Um, I'm going to say Led Zeppelin 4. And then my fans are going to crucify me for getting it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Question nine. Which Jimi Hendrix album, his only one to go to number one in the US, was originally banned for featuring 19 naked women on the sleeve? Question 10. We Will Rock You and We Are The Champions appear on which Queen album? News of the World. Question 11. For the 1987 album Hysteria, what colour is the lettering used on the cover of the words uh, Def Leppard and Hysteria? So I believe the... So the Def Leppard logo is yellow with the red trim. So I'm going to say that Hysteria is the same. We'll go with that. Question 12. Which album contains the singles New Kid in Town and Life in the Fast Lane? There's a couple there that I'm torn between. (laughs) Which album cover shows Roger Daltrey in a bath of baked beans and Pete Townsend using an oversized stick of deodorant? Pass. ZZ Top used an image of their customised 1933 Ford Coupe on the cover of which album? That would be Eliminator. And 15. The Beatles famously walking across the street is the cover of which album? That would be Abbey Road. Abbey Road, going back to ones you passed on. Um, the cover of Appetite for Destruction, which band member is at the top? Slashes at the bottom, says Stephen Adler. Gone with Stephen Adler, that's time up anyway, so we'll put Stephen Adler there. Whoa, how did you find that then, Mike? You know, there's some of them that I definitely should have known, 
<laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I think sometimes it's the pressure of being put on the spot, isn't it? But, uh, but no, I think there was some of those I was very confident on and some of them less so. So I'll be interested to see how I did. Absolutely. It's definitely the time situation as well. I think if you had um, 30 seconds to, to mull over some of those answers, I'm sure you'd, you'd have got some of the others that you passed on as well. But yeah. let's run through the, the questions and the answers and see how you got on then. Uh, question one. The album that sold over 13 million copies featuring two men shaking hands, one of them on fire, is, of course, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. The classic album featuring the singles Dreams, Don't Stop and You Make Loving Fun was, of course, Rumours. You got that correct. Uh, Appetite for Destruction, then. On the cover, it features the Celtic Cross and the band members as skulls. You, you went with Stephen Adler as being the skull at the top. It's Izzy Stradlin. He was my second. He was my se- I was thinking, is it Izzy? Is it Stephen? <laughs> I knew Slash was at the bottom and I knew Axel was in the middle. And I was like, who is it? So no, and I, I wouldn't mind. But when I was a teenager, I lived in that T-shirt. So I should have got Honestly, that one. I think... <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I think I've got it on right now. Oh, you do? <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. Just giving that one away. Uh, question five, uh, four, we were at that, haven't we? Yeah, bon Jovi released four singles from their 12-time platinum-selling album, Slippery When Wet. You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, that was two of them. The other two were Wanted Dead or Alive or Never Say Goodbye, so that was correct. The Logical Song was from the album Breakfast in America. You got that correct as well. Um, question six, Bon Scott. He was, of course, the lead singer on the ACDC Highway to Hell album. Uh, question seven, pretty tricky um the second biggest selling album in the uk in 1987 has a cover which shows the band photographed at zabriskie point in the death valley national park the album was the joshua tree that was in my head and if we'd got if we'd had time because we've just done it on the podcast as well and i thought is that the joshua tree <laughs> oh no let's come back to it <laughs> so like that sounds like an excuse i was genuine if we'd had time that was going to be my answer but uh say la vie <laughs> C'est la vie, indeed. Um, Black Dog is the opening track on which 1971 album? You um denied, you went, you were, you were choosing between a few different Roman numerals, weren't you? You went I with was. Led Zeppelin 4. And it was Led Zeppelin yes. 4. You did well, well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, question nine. The Jimi Hendrix album, which uh, featured 19 naked women on the sleeve, you passed on this one. It's Electric Ladyland. Mm. Okay. Question 10. We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions appear on News of the World. That was correct. Um, you went into good detail as well on the Def Leppard thing. It was yellow with the red trim. That was the, the, the word writing colour. Lovely. Uh, question 12. Which album contained the singles New Kid in Town and Life in the Fast Lane? You said you had a couple in your head. You weren't. You were torn between them. You passed. Have you got an answer for me now? So I'm going to go Hotel California. It was either that or Desperado. But I think it, it would have been Hotel <laughs> California I'd have landed on. If you'd have said Hotel California, you would have been correct, unfortunately. But there you go. <laughs> I need to trust the um, and That's the... What the that's the the moral of this story that's it yeah (laughs) yeah you'll learn for next time yeah um the album cover showing roger daltrey in a bath of baked beans and pete townsend using an oversized stick of deodorant was the album the who sell out there you go question 14 zz top used an image of their customized 1933 ford coupe on the cover of which album you said eliminator that's correct and the easy one on the end. The Beatles famously walking across the street is the cover to which album? You said Abbey Road. And it was, of course, Abbey Road. Lovely. 10, 10 out of 15. That's not bad. That's respectable. Solid score. I, I think I can keep my podcast. Absolutely. I don't have to give it to anyone else. <laughs> I don't have to hand the reins <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing if you'd have got a really low score there, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. I know. If I'd got like one, <laughs> they'd be like, well, we're not listening to you ever again. You don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> and what's the best way to keep up with your podcast then on, on socials or, or whatever? What's the best way to keep up with you? Absolutely. So obviously we're on all the major social media channels. So if you get yourself to Facebook, obviously my classic album with Mike Norris, you can like or follow the page. Get yourself on Instagram, my classic album podcast, or as some people pointed out, which I've been hoping for a couple of years, they wouldn't. My classical bum podcast is also a way to interpret that. <laughs> um, or over on Twitter, which I, I'm not great with Twitter, but um, we are on Twitter at MCA underscore podcast. I'd say Instagram and, and Facebook are the main the main ones. And of course, uh, the website, uh, www.myclassicalbum.co.uk. Brilliant. I urge everyone to go and check that out right now for you. Thank you very much, Mike. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Check out Mike's podcast, My Classic Album, for a great long-form deep dive into some incredible albums. Mike has also kindly asked me on to his show to interview him as well, so that'll be coming out in the coming months as well, so keep an eye out for that. Now, a quick recap on something we had on last week's Side 2 show, Stone Dead Festival. Yes, they've kindly given me two tickets to give away, weekend passes plus camping for this year's event in August. There's a great lineup as well. We're talking Black Star Riders, Gun, Terrorvision, Blaze Bailey of Iron Maiden, and so many more. Now to be in with a chance of winning these tickets, go to my website vintagerockpod.com and click on the Win Stone Dead Tickets link at the top or in the menu and answer the ridiculously easy question to get yourself in the draw. I've made it as simple as I possibly can for you. Right, that's that out of the way. It's time for us to look at some of the more interesting stories involving classic rock stars in this week's Classic Rock News with our good friend, music journalist with Record Collector Magazine and Universal's YouDiscoverMusic.com is, of course, Mr Tim Peacock. Hi, Paul. Not too bad, thanks. Uh, got some interesting stories this week anyway, so which you'll find out in a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. What have you got lined up first for us then? Well, they're all quite good positive ones. There's no deaths tonight anyway, you'd be glad to hear, um, which is always obviously a good start. There's an expensive one, there's a kind of mid-range one, and there's a cheaper one tonight. So we'll start with the expensive one tonight, which is... Um, we try to offer Vintage Rock Pod listeners quite a lot of options, but I don't think I've offered them a cruise before now, so that's the first oh, one tonight. Okay. Um, for ne- next year, it's been announced today, next year, that the annual Monsters of Rock cruise is returning in 2022. It celebrates its 10th anniversary, and it'll be um, headlined by Alice Cooper next year, so wow. could be of interesting. Um, now, that, of course, the expensive side of this, is it, it, it kicks off, it starts out in Miami, Florida. Nice. Um and it's, it goes from February 9th to the 14th. It's aboard the Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas is the name of the ship, which is taking care of everyone. And it visits two, point, two ports in the Bahamas um, and also goes to Haiti and various other places. And there's 35 artists are involved. It's quite a lineup, actually, Paul, as well. Not only Alice Cooper, but you've got Queensryche, um, Skid Row, LA Guns, Winger, wow. Michael Monroe from um, Hanoi Rocks. Pat Travers, Y&T, Vixen, Rose Tattoo, a great Australian band, Black and Blue, Chris Holmes, formerly of Wasp, Faster Pussycat, etc. The list goes on. So um, for uh, the sort of more adventurous um, vintage rock pod fans, it could be an interesting (laughs) thing to set sail on. Now, the only downside of this is, um, do you have any idea of what the price starts at if you want to take this one off? Crikey, for the cruise alone, (laughs) two grand maybe? 
Actually, you're not far off there, mate. It's roughly, well, according to this, it, the prices start at uh, $1,799. Not quite sure that isn't you. Cheap. Not, yeah. Well, five <laughs> days. Uh, now, that doesn't include mandatory taxes, apparently. Not oh. quite sure. But anyway, um, it's there for you. The Freedom of the Seas. There'll be an official cruise uh, host uh, with Eddie Trunk from VH1, Sirius XM. Yes. Um, com- there's comedians involved. Um and various other different, um, you know, sideshows, various different, there's Q&As, um, all kinds of stuff going on and lots of activities as well. Um, everything including dueling water slides and there's a Vitality <laughs> Spa and God knows what else, really. So this is kind of for the vintage rock fan who wants to push the boat out, so literally. Ah, boom, boom. Um, anyway, <laughs> February 9th to 14th next year, anyway, and it docks, she's, she's um, embarks from Miami, Florida. I yeah, wonder if so. I could get a press pass for that. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's, it's worth following up on, I believe. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, that's a good okay. one to start with, Tim. What else yeah. have you got for us? Okay, well, this is the kind of medium option, the next one, uh, for Vintage Rock Pod fans. It's a new book about um, legendary guitar player uh, Randy Rhodes, who, of course, played okay. with um, Ozzy Osbourne until yeah. his tragic death at the age of only 25. It looks a good one, this, actually. It's called Randy Rhodes by Ross Halfin. Um, Ross Halfin, probably a lot of our listeners already know, is a great rock photographer. I remember him back in my days when I started as a kid um, with sounds. Um, he was a little before my time, but he used to take loads and loads of photos for sounds. Great freelancer, photographed lo- loads of classic classic and heavy metal bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you think of people, like, he's a huge fan of The Who, actually, um, but also he, did, he took fantastic fantastic photos of people like you know ufo and um, acdc and so forth anyway he's put together this book of randy Rhodes, which is um i think it's actually about it's available to pre-order i think anyway and it's called randy Rhodes by ross halfin a celebration of one of the most influential hard rock and heavy metal guitarists of all time it's a 280 page coffee table book um features many classic and unseen shots of the the guitar player who also played with quiet riot um the downside is with this one it will be great because ross halkin's stuff is always fantastic but um the downside with this the mid-range thing is that there is um there's three different types of it but the standard edition of the book which is the cheapest one is 99 pounds i'm afraid so uh yeah exactly it's a hardback book with printed cover and sloth uh, sorry cloth slip case um but there are more expensive options there's various different extras as well uh, it's been endorsed by ozzy himself he ozzy did actually say about um obviously sadly randy Rhodes died when he's only mm-hmm. 25 uh, it was quite famous, I remember reading about it at the time. Ozzy did say Rhodes' death had a tremendous impact on him. He said, quote, I lost a dear friend in my life. I still miss him terribly. Um, the day that Randy Rhodes died was the day a part of me died, Died, he added. So, you know, obviously he was understandably very cut up about it. Most people say he would have gone on to great things had he survived as well. Yeah. So, anyway, that's out there, and it's it's expensive, but it looks like <laughs> it would be a good one. To be fair, there's also an, oh, there's also an epilogue by another of his fans, Tom Morello from um, Rage oh, Against Rage, the Machine, yeah. as well. So, yeah, so that's the now the this is probably the option that certainly myself and a lot of other vintage rock fob fans might go to first. I think that my third story tonight is about Iron Maiden uh, because they've got together with Brewdog, who a lot of people know already, to create a new beer, which is called Hellcat. India Pale Lager. Oh. Yeah, it's um, 
Follows the advanced success. They originally released um, uh, the Trooper, Trooper range yeah. that they had, which they did, yeah, uh, which they were in conjunction with Robinson's Brewery in the UK. Um, this new brew is described as, quote, feisty, with Brewdog adding, yes, <laughs> indeed, Hellcat rages with a citrus-forward flavour with no less aggressive malty backbone. The result is a hazy gold IPL with an epic, epically complex balance. As with all Brewdog beers, Hellcat is carbon negative, and Brewdog removes double the CO2 it takes to, to make. So they seem pretty serious about it anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they seem well in. Both parties seem to be well into it. Brewdog and uh, co-founder James Watt says, we're thrilled to partner with a world-renowned rock band like Iron Maiden. Maiden, like Brewdog, have maintained their spirit of independence throughout their stellar career. Hellcat is a hop-forward lager with a golden hazy appearance and crisp finish, an epic beer worthy of this massive collaboration. So uh, if you just check out um, Brewdog's website, you'll get farm, you'll get a lot more information about that anyway. Um, there's no real actual definite release date for it yet, but you can register your interest through their US website, so that will also give you more, more info there. But certainly later this year, I should imagine, if we get back to the festivals that people are talking about, you may well be yep. able to have um, a, a Hellcat, iron, a, Hellcat. a Hellcat indeed. So yep. could be one to think of. So I could take a crate of Hellcats with my uh, Randy Rhodes book under my arm and go on this wonderful rock cruise from, yeah. was it Miami, did you say? Yeah, Miami, yes. no, it's February next year, Paul. So, yeah, so there you go. a few interesting options for listeners tonight, <laughs> anyway. Wonderful as always, Tim. Thanks very much for that, mate. <laughs> You're very welcome, Paul. All the best. Fantastic stuff from Tim, as always. I'm going to have to look out flights to Hawaii, aren't I, to see if I can get on this cruise. Anyway, a quick shout-out to say don't forget to check out the big interviews that are released every Monday. You heard a sneak preview of who this Monday's guest is going to be, and he's got some great stories to tell too. And you can listen back to some of my chats with some of those huge names you heard earlier on in this show, chatting in depth about their careers and lives and things like that in the earlier episodes, and you can download or stream them now. Don't forget to follow us on all the social channels. Just search for Vintage Rock pod on facebook twitter instagram and youtube and give us a like and a follow on those places as well so you don't miss a thing and become a vrp vip by going to the website vintagerockpod.com fill out the form on the first page and you will not miss a thing it's a once weekly newsletter with competitions you get to find out who the future guests are going to be you're going to get your chance to put questions to future guests and all the other kind of vintage rock pod news that goes on in there as well so sign up for that go to vintagerockpod.com and become a vrp vip and that's it for this week's bumper vintage rock pod side two episode then another side two is going to be coming out every friday and all the usual vintage rock pod classic rock stories comes out every monday so plenty to keep you entertained in classic rock style until the next episode then if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock just tell them my music is better than yours take care It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 